<clears throat> I'd like to talk this afternoon about generosity. <clears throat> when we take this a, a, a Dharma view of the profound interconnections between life forms um, as the contemplation that we did on the four elements um, this morning was an example of, of that view. Um, generosity, in a way, seems just like the flow of life um, between and among uh, people, life, uh, life forms, different forms, um, just uh, it feels very natural, it seems very natural from that view. And at the same time, um, there's a lot of grasping onto things and experiences uh, that maybe we could say is, uh, is not so natural or, <coughs> or can become quite exaggerated and create a lot of suffering. Generosity was usually the first was usually the first teaching that the Buddha taught when um, a, somebody would come and and request teachings. Um, it helps us to loosen our grip on the things that that uh, we hold on to and opens us up to the life around us. <clears throat> Generosity is, um, is a rhythm of both giving and receiving. It's a dynamic of both giving and receiving. Gen generosity really begins, we could say, uh, from the vantage point of this practice, with being generous toward ourselves by being kind toward ourselves and, and receiving ourselves as we are with compassion. So all of the, the limitations uh, and, and the blindness that we can so harshly judge uh, can become occasions for opening our hearts with compassion to ourselves and generosity. can be occasions for an act of generosity. And, and our capacity to accept ourselves as we are to love and to uh, work to liberate ourselves starting from where we are is ground zero for us learning to accept and love and be compassionate towards others as they are <coughs> without condemnation for their limitations and their blindness. <coughs> In the Tibetan uh, Bon Buddhist tradition, um, it's taught that generosity is the mother of all the wholesome qualities of a compassionate being. 
And we can be generous in so many ways, so many simple ways. Um, just giving a smile to somebody can be an act of generosity. Um, acknowledging somebody's humanity, somebody who is in front of us, ringing up our groceries or um, doing any one of the many services that support our lives. Uh, we can acknowledge that um, they're, they're more than just a service, they're more than just a function. They, they are uh, a human being with depth. And, um, and we can live in our homes uh, and, and be in our workplaces with a sense of generosity of heart uh, and, um, and recognize and, and, and let go of the, the self-protection and competitiveness that can <coughs> so easily come up, you know, even, well, and especially with those who are closest to us. We can, we can uh, sometimes be hardest on those who are closest to us. A generous heart is, is not grasping onto things, onto stuff, or onto a reputation, or prestige, or status, uh, in order to enhance one's sense of self. Generosity gives us the space to let go of needing things, or needing people to be a certain way that you know, we expected or preferred that they be. Uh, generosity helps us to flow with whatever we may have or don't have in any given moment. Just cultivating that attitude of, of generosity. Okay, can I let go of my expectation? Can I get, let go of my preference and just be open to what is, open to how things are unfolding in this moment? <coughs> <clears throat> the Buddha taught that we experience joy uh, in the practice of generosity. He said um, that we experience joy in three ways, and probably many of you have heard Janet say this in her Donna talk that she, uh, Janet's the um, person who often manages. True North Insight retreats, and um, uh, she's kind of stepping back from that a little bit. But um, yeah, she always began with saying that that the Buddha taught that generosity brings joy um, in three ways: in first, in forming the intention to to give, to to be generous, um, and having that aspiration. And then in actual the actual experience of giving to someone, and um, and then in recollecting the experience of giving, uh, recollecting that experience of being generous.
As a practice, uh, generosity holds up a mirror uh, to see the mind that grasps and doesn't feel generous. It's, it's quite humbling practice, actually, uh, to, to really form the intention of, you know, like, I'm going to bring this into my life, and I'm going to really practice this. And then, um, and then to see this, uh, this impulse of, uh, of, you know, I want to get in line before that person, or, or you know, I don't want to let that person cut into the traffic lane in front of me, or, uh, or I want that one, you know, that, that one look, is the one that looks good to me. You know, all of these things that come up in the mind. So it's, it's, uh, it's humbling to, um, to practice this. Uh, in uh, the Mahayana text, there's, a, there's an expression of self-cherishing, that, that, you know, it, and the practice of, of compassion and generosity help us to um, relinquish this self-cherishing. And, and it's a, it's a bit of a tricky translation because, in a way, we're you know we're told to love ourselves and cherish sounds like, okay, we love ourselves. But this this idea of self cherishing that's being pointed out is is the me first kind of you know self uh, holding on to um, privilege and um, or you know getting the best thing. Um, Uh, yeah, but also, even though there's a lot of that that comes up, uh, and when we and and when we cultivate generosity as a practice, you know, we begin to really see these habits of mind. Um, there's also a spontaneous, you know, some spontaneous thoughts of generosity that that come up, you know, like um, I should. I should call her, I should write to him, or, you know, or, uh, I should reach out, or I should give, I should help this person out, uh, I should give of my time, and so on. And, um, and then uh, we often second-guess ourselves. Oh, he, would, he wouldn't, he would think I was weird, you know, just writing to him out of the blue, or or she wouldn't really like that, or, oh, I'm just too busy, uh, you know, it kind of gets down on the bottom of the list of things to do. So, um, so often, often we second-guess ourselves or don't give this generous impulse the priority and, and cultivating it as a practice. Um, <coughs> Can can help us to remember, to uh, to follow our our generous uh, kind of orientation. There's a thought. There's a, a sorry, a story that uh, Joseph Goldstein uh, tells. I forget where I read it. It was a long time ago, but it, it kind of impressed me. Um, that you know, Dharma teachers are always looking for good stories to illustrate a point about teaching and um, and uh, and he came across this really good story that uh, that he thought would be a good Dharma story like for a Dharma talk 
And so um, his first thought was, oh, I'm going to give this to Sharon, Sharon Salzberg. He said, She'd really like this, you know, she could use this. And then, and then the thought came, no, I like it. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> and and, uh, and so he went back and forth, back and forth in his mind. And then finally he said, I'm going to give it to her. But then, but then when I thought about it afterwards, I thought, well, he got it both ways because he got to tell the story about <laughs> giving the story. <laughs> and then I got that story. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. So, um, so the practice of 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 giving or generosity uh, really has two purposes as a as a practice, um, <clears throat> and and um, yeah, I want to just situate it that that uh, the practice of uh, generosity. I meant to say this is um, is one of the parami. The parami are perfections, uh, perfections of the heart, that are actually present in all of the Buddhist traditions. Um, and um, and generosity is the first, and the others, just to say them, are um, virtue or morality. Uh, renunciation, wisdom, energy, patience, truthfulness, resolve, kindness, and equanimity. So, so these lists overlap. You know, they're different lists of, you know, parami, um, awakening factors. Um, you know, the the. Uh, the four um, boundless states of heart, and so on, and so there's a lot of overlap. But um, but generosity has a lot of importance, and um, and really lays a foundation for the others. And it has um, as a practice. <coughs> its aim is twofold: uh, to free our minds from grasping, uh, the grasping, clinging, and craving that that keep us on that treadmill of samsara, uh, that we're always looking for some experience, some thing, some person, some status, some validation that will make us feel that we're okay for a few minutes. Because it never lasts. What we think is going to make us feel good you know whether it's a thing or, or a relationship or a, a um, an experience or a, some kind of position. You know, it, it it's inherently unstable. It changes. So, you know, those of us who have been in relationships, whether they're friendships or um, or uh, kind of. Uh, significant other kind of relationships, um, partnerships, life partnerships, uh, know that they take a lot of work. You know, it's because 
you have to recommit yourself again and again to to bring who you are now into the relationship and to accept who that person is becoming in the relationship. So, um, and that takes generosity. So, um, and of course, you know, when we, when we try to make ourselves feel happy with stuff, we get a momentary infusion of pleasant feelings, but it doesn't last. And, um, and we're continually leaning forward toward the next fix of, you know, what's going to make us feel good, right? And, um, and so that, that keeps us, that interferes with us being present uh, just to receive life in the moment. And, and so that attitude of needing more, grasping more, feeling we, we're incomplete, that we need something, blinds us to the truth that we are complete. We are already complete as we are. Uh, we are whole. There's nothing that we lack. The second aim of giving is to provide beings with the necessities of life. Food, shelter, clothing and medicine, and also, of course, love, support, compassion, and friendship. And, uh, and we all need those. And, um, and, and there's more, than, more need uh, than we can ever fulfill. So, so there's always opportunity to be generous, to provide others with life's necessities. <clears throat> One thing that's important when we practice generosity is that we be aware of our motivation. Um, that uh, sometimes, sometimes be, we want, we want to give something, but maybe it's not what's needed. Um, and um, and and when we are blinded by our own needs or our own agendas, then that can kind of uh, get in the way of being sensitive to actually what is what is really needed and and the timing of, uh, of what, you know, of when it might be appropriate to give something to somebody. So, um, so that's something to, to, uh, to look at. Um, and, and of course, sometimes people give a lot, um, but, but it might, it might be, so that they can be recognized, you know, as being a big donor, whatever, you know. So, so motivations can be mixed. So it's, it's good to be clear on our motivations. Um, cultivating generosity 
is also a great preparation uh, for um, the uh, the way that life will take everything from us um, inevitably uh, we will need to let go of everything um, there's a uh, there's a a practice I I don't I was trying to uh, actually remember the exact words because it's not something I regularly repeat but it, it's uh, it's called the four reminders um, and uh, and the, the sense of it is um, uh, this body is subject to aging um, I have not I am not beyond this. This body is subject to illness. I am not beyond this. This body is subject to death. I am not beyond this. Everything I have, everything I consider myself to be will be taken from me. I am not beyond this. So um, these were the uh, the teachers that the Buddha first encountered when he uh, when he left his place of privilege and um, protection from all the unpleasantness of life he was a very he was a very wealthy young prince and protected from seeing uh, impermanence and and he uh, he ventured out into the world and saw someone who was very old, someone who was ill, and someone who died. And this is a kind of a, a teaching story. You know, we don't have to believe every, literally, and so it's a teaching story. And, um, uh, and he asked, you know, he asked his friend that he was with, you know, will I also be subject to aging? Will I also be subject to illness? Will I also be subject to death? And uh, his friend answered, yes. Yes, indeed, you will. And, uh, and that's what set him out on his, his journey. And, and what he saw, the fourth teacher that he saw, they're called the heavenly uh, messengers. And uh, the fourth messenger he saw was a, um, a wandering mendicant, a wandering seeker uh, with uh, great poise and peace and equanimity, you know, walking in the distance. And, uh, and he was moved to say that that's what I that's would be my way that's what I, how how I will pursue what's really valuable in life and how I can go beyond the suffering of aging illness and death so um, and that was uh, kind of the foundation of his teaching to how do we go beyond So, um, so cultivating generosity helps us to be with the truth that there's nothing we can hold on to. Um, when we stop holding on to things to, to give us a sense of security. Um, of course, you know, the Buddha never taught that 
that lay people should give everything away. You know, this was a practice that the that the bhikkhus did when they, it was called leaving home. And they left their all their possessions and they they followed him and they. And that was that's the model of the monastic is to become free of all of these, um, you know, of stuff, and uh, not even holding on to food for the next day. They have to go out and and ask for their food every day. So, um, but that's not the way of the householder. And so, of course, we don't give away our homes and our all our possessions that we need. But it's good to, to ask ourselves, you know, what do we need? You know, and uh, really honestly look at that. It's also a practice to receive the generosity of others. Um, some of us find it hard to receive. You know, it's, uh, it, it feels, somehow we feel unworthy or we feel we don't want to be beholden to others um, so it's um, it can be we can have obstacles to receiving the generosity of others um, so um, so it, that's that's just interesting to look at in ourselves um, when I when I was uh, thinking about this talk I you know and thinking about that, <coughs> that it can be so hard to receive generosity. You know, I thought of the, um, the Northwest coastal indigenous people um, and the, and the um, tradition of, of potlatch. So uh, I, don't, I don't know a lot about it. So, um, but but it, was, it was, this potlatch was, it was a, um, uh, part of a gift economy, so it wasn't um, a market economy or a barter economy. It was a gift economy, so in which the uh, those in the community who were um, most uh, most wealthy um, and most respected would regularly give away a huge amount of um, of their belongings and you know beautiful things with food and, and ceremonial masks and really a very precious things and um, and uh, and this was a, a kind of a, a way of leveling um, the in inequality in the community that that uh, that those who had less would be able to um, that the wealth would be redistributed, and um, and these these built ties in the community of um, uh, of of support and of obligation. So you know, like we're afraid to receive, and I thought about you know how how we can feel afraid to receive because we don't want to feel obligated, but. In many societies, uh, those obligations are part of life. They're part of community, and um, and 
you know, it's interesting that those who had most, you know, were that rather than, you know, getting the, the biggest cars and biggest houses and, you know, in more and more and more for ourselves, uh, their, their sense of the expression of that, the proper expression of that, was to give a lot of it away. Um, there's a story in which a reporter asked uh, um, John D. Rockefeller, uh, who was, you know, in the 19th century, you know, the railroad baron, one of the wealthiest men in the United States, and said, and he asked him, you know, how much, you know, you have so much wealth, how much would be enough? And he thought about it, and he <coughs> said, a little bit more. It's always a little bit more, a little bit more. It's not quite enough. That's, <coughs> there's suffering in that, there's suffering in that, really caughtness. <coughs> the Buddha observed that, that people who were generous were loved and valued by others. It, it's not that we should, we should be generous in order to be loved and valued by others. It's just the way things are. That when we see people who are generous, that we, we, let, we love and value them. Uh, we, it helps us to feel uh, it's inspiring. Um, I mean, truly generous. Um, it's how life flows that we, we appreciate people are generous. We feel that uh, they're not, you know, caught up in hoarding and grasping and more and more and more, and and maybe we feel we don't need to always defend ourselves from them. The Buddha also said that a generous person has more confidence and can enter a group of people without fear. That when we feel that, you know, we're generous. You know that uh, we're not grasping, hoarding. That that we can we have a place, perhaps. Uh, it's a natural consequence of of having an open heart and feeling connected to others. That we can just be in the world with with a sense of confidence. In the Tibetan Bon Buddhist um, teachings, generosity is taught as a threefold expression. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Giving material goods, giving the truth, and giving non-fear. So giving material goods, that's, that, you know, kind of, self-explanatory so it can range from giving a bit of food um, or water uh, it says in the teachings it says a little drop of water to somebody who's thirsty so that's like at one end uh, and it can extend on the other end to donating a kidney to somebody that you don't even know, you know I remember 
I remember he, listening to the radio uh, a few years ago and just hearing the story about, you know, somebody who donated a kidney to a complete stranger. And, and I asked myself, you know, wow, could I do that? Like, that's pretty amazing. It's, so it's inspiring. So, so giving, you know, these requisites of life. Um, and also, uh, yeah, giving these requisites of life that I talked about in um, food, clothing, shelter, and medicine. So giving the truth uh, can be um, giving wise counsel and encouragement to others. Uh, it can be teaching the Dharma, teaching uh, skillful ways of, of being, of communicating. Um, we can model self-acceptance and inner listening. So that's um, kind of a, an authentic way of being. So that you know, we, can we can speak and act with integrity and wisdom and kindness. So, so modeling that to others. And, um, and so that we can be, because probably all of us, I, I certainly know I have had uh, really important models in my life um, who inspired me, who were a beacon for me, uh, just by the quality of their being. I think that um, the people who were most important to me in terms of my own journey um, were people who modeled something about, about the quality, by the quality of their being. And, uh, and so that's something that we can do. We can just uh, cultivate the kindness and the integrity and the authenticity. We don't need to be um, great, realized wisdom, compassion beings to, uh, to bring benefit to the world by our presence. Just, um, just being kind, listening compassionately uh, to those who are confused or struggling and offering kind support. And, and we, don't, we don't need to have all the answers. Um, we don't need to think that we should have all the answers. We're, we're much better off uh, realizing that we don't have all the answers and that um, just our friendship and our presence uh, can, can be a great gift. So, so these are ways that we can give the truth. Um, and I, I'm sure there are many other ways. So, and giving non-fear. So giving non-fear, uh, there's, a, there's a gesture, a mudra, of the Buddha, which is uh, the gesture of giving no fear. And it's, you might have seen sometimes the Buddha in this gesture with one hand raised, one hand in meditation posture. And, um, <coughs> 
And so this is a, an expression of refuge, that it's giving a space of safety, giving a space in which uh, one doesn't have to be um, something in order to be received and accepted and, and loved. And giving non-fear can be giving refuge in many ways, can be helping people who are, you know, seeking safety um, from oppression. Uh, giving non-fear, uh, one way we could do this is to help to preserve the planet, help to protect the health of the planet, the, the, uh, <coughs> the life systems on which we depend. <coughs> giving non-fear is also to not see another person <coughs> as somebody who's an enemy, <coughs> that we have to, you know, somebody as a threat, that we have to defend ourselves, we have to, you know, kind of push, push away, protect ourselves from. So to have that quality of open-heartedness and, and the great spiritual models that we have, uh, you know, in the West, model that, you know, as, and of course the Buddha modeled that, um, to, to, not, to not push away people, uh, to love your enemy, um, love those who might define themselves as your enemy. <coughs> and, um, and in a relationship, giving non-fear uh, is to allow the other person to evolve and blossom in their own authentic way. To not feel that they have to be something uh, to be accepted by us. To be, to stay some way in order uh, for that relationship to be acceptable to us. Um, in order to satisfy our own needs. So empathy, empathy, uh, opening our imagination to what it must be like, <coughs> to what it may be like. Empathy is always, we never know for sure what another person feels, but empathy is a way that we can um, open our hearts to uh, another person's experience, and that's a generous act. And I think most profoundly, uh, giving non-fear is what an awakened being can offer. So, um, and it's a space of emptiness and love in which we know ourselves to be fully accepted and deeply respected for our essential wholeness and, 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 uh, and our fullness of being. So, so nof nothing left out. I don't need to leave anything out to be fully accepted. And, and so an awakened being can do this because they uh, don't fear any aspect of another being. And uh, so they can give non-fear. And, 
and and again, you know, we don't need to be fully awakened Buddhas to open to this, even if it's just in a moment, just just for now, uh, just in this moment, to glimpse it, to or to to move toward it. Um, So at its deepest, maybe this is just circling back to what I said in the beginning, generosity is the non-dual quality of giving and receiving. And, it, and it's essentially openness. It's, um, it provides a, a space in our heart and our mind to accept everything as it is. Without openness, acceptance is not possible. When generosity comes from a space of openness, it's the expression of connection between two beings, and this nourishes both the giver and the receiver. In fact, the giver and the receiver kind of become uh, the distinction maybe uh, dissolves a bit. Uh, because from a non-dual perspective, from a, a not-self and other perspective, from a, a, a perspective that we are profoundly interconnected and part of life, there is no ultimate giver or receiver where we're all in the flow of life. So in giving to others, we're giving to ourselves. Let's uh, let's take a few minutes to to sit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.